I'm David Manilow, and welcome to the dining table on the table today. Chef Jupe, Brian Jupiter, proprietor of one of the quintessential food adventures in Chicago, will join me. I get that every single time, or people will come up to me. I could be at the grocery store, you know, like, hey, I had my birthday there. I had a pig, you know, and, and that feels good. And Crane's Ali Marathi tells me about Chick-fil-A and how they're making a big bet, huh? Pullman. People in this community have money to spend and they don't have places to spend it at. Since that Culver's came in, since the Potbellies came in, Lexington Betty's, you know, I'm told that convincing Chick-fil-A to come in was a little bit easier. That's all coming up next on The Dining Table. 19 years ago, Grubhub opened their doors in Chicago with some help from the local community. Since then, they've proudly helped over 14,000 local restaurants deliver across the city. And they'll keep serving Chicago for years to come. Because Grubhub is proud to call Chicago home. Grubhub, opening doors in Chicago since 2004. Learn more at grubhub.com slash opening doors. Joining me now is Chef Brian Jupiter. AKA Chef Jupe from Frontier Restaurant, uh, smoke and whole animal, great spot in West Town and, and Ina May Tavern in Wickham Park, which is, I would call Southern and probably an homage to your grandma and your hometown of New Orleans. Absolutely. Great to see you again. How's it going? Good to see you as well, brother. It's going well. Everything's going well. That's awesome. You're also a Chopped TV show on the Food Network champion. Oh, yeah. Brought, brought home the money. <laughs> so I, here's what here's what I want to say about you because I've known you for a while. You know what the word that that comes to mind when I think of you is inclusive. Like you're inclusive in your mentoring. You kind of have communal dining where big groups get together. You have gatherings, right? You're doing these smoke sessions that are involving other chefs. You have gatherings all the time with you know you have shrimp boils and stuff like that. Where, where do you think that came from? Like your sense of inclusiveness in in hospitality. You know, I think it's from growing up in the South, you know, um, my home growing up was always the, the gathering place for all of my friends, all of my brother's friends. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's kind of where it comes from. I like having people around me that are having a good time, uh, you know, so I try to try to keep that energy positive. Well, I'll tell you something. There's no better place to have a good time than New Orleans. I mean, we both love Chicago. Don't get me wrong. But New Orleans, you will stumble into a good time. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. So I want to ask you a question. These smoke sessions I find really interesting. So describe Frontier a little bit and tell me what you're doing with these smoke sessions, which I assume are monthly. Yes. Um, so Frontier is known for the whole animal smoking that we do and the, the wild game components that we have on our menus. Um, you know, but Frontier has been around now for 13 years. We pride ourselves on making food that people would eat every day, but we might switch up the protein on you a little bit. Uh, and so, and Frontier is also a very large space, so we we wanted to have large groups. We need large groups, you know, to, to keep the place full. And so at the very beginning, you know, when we first started doing the whole pigs and the whole lambs and stuff like that, you know, that's what we're getting. We're getting groups of 20 and up, you know, groups of 60 upstairs and things like that. And um, and still to this day, it's every type of celebration that you could imagine. And we've expanded that out now to catering and things like that. So we're taking it to the people, you know, as well. And and so that's Frontier, you know, I guess a wild game smokehouse. Right. But and, and you were early on and kind of like this experiential 
you know, happenings at that place. Yeah. And, and, and back to the gatherings, it's a fantastic niche. I don't know anybody else is doing it, but it's memorable. It makes people kind of go like, I just had breakfast with somebody this morning. He said, oh, I had my 40th birthday there. They did the whole pig. It was great. I get that every single time or people will come up to me. I could be at the grocery store, you know, like, hey, I had my birthday there. I had a pig, you know, and, and so, yeah, it's and, and that feels good, you know. With these smoke sessions that we're doing now, yeah, Frontier, we've always been very just event driven, not only with the whole animals, but just um, we constantly have something going on here uh, because we recognize very early on in the game the challenge that we face um, with having a larger space and with being a bit off the beaten path. And so, you know, we always are just trying to continually come up with ways to bring people to us. Uh, and so Smoke Sessions came about just because I was looking for ways to just cook with my friends. And, and that kind of grew into, you know, a monthly event that we would invite a different chef every single month to come on in and cook with me. You know, so it's always four dishes. It's four drinks. We, we have a, a liquor or beer or wine sponsor every single month that's helping us curate the cocktails and everything for the particular menu. Uh, and so it's just a really, really good time. Now these things are selling out, you know, before it was a struggle, you know, we, we did the first one, I think we might've had, you know, 35 seats sold. Uh, and, and now these things are selling out, um, you know, very, very fast. Well, there's nothing better than positive word of mouth and a little social media to throw in there. And you're also kind of like giving exposure to some, maybe some chefs that either people don't know about in Chicago or the guy from Benton Harbor I know came in. Yeah, you know, that's that's important, you know, because opportunity and exposure are the the two things that I think that any chef would really kill for when you're in that, you know, coming up phase. I know that I needed it. I know that my peers, you know, the stories that we've shared about just getting that first shot or getting in front of someone or cooking alongside someone that you have a lot of respect for. I love giving an opportunity and, you know, some of the guys that I've done these dinners with and hit me up, some people I've seen their page and seeing something that they post and I'm like, yo, you know, call him, see if you want to get down, you know, just <laughs> saw something that I liked or, or whatever, you know, and I really just, uh, I want it to be fun first. I tell the chefs immediately, like, look, you know, this is just going to be a good time, man. You know, we're not about to stress out about this. You know? <laughs> no pressure. Running low on something, you know, we have a full kitchen back there. We'll, we'll come out with something. And so now that it's, it's going, you know, we're, we're months out now because it's, it's really been picked up. We're looking at this now, like, okay, how do we, how do we build this? And so we are doing a brunch version with uh, Chef Ken Polk ah, uh, from sure. over at Batter and Berries. And so that'll be a, a, a lot of fun as well. I, I love opening my doors, uh, you know, to, to chefs and, and, and friends here at Frontier. And uh, I, I feel like the guests are really having a, a great time, you know, because we're in the middle of the, the guests, you know, we're plating everything in the middle of them and they can come up, they're taking pictures and all that stuff. And, and so, you know, they feel so involved as well. So it's a great event. That's great. Well, you know, speaking of opening your doors, I know you mentor a lot of yeah. like aspiring chefs or maybe even teenagers that don't know what they want to do. Tell me, tell me about some of that and some of the experiences you've had there. Yeah. You know, I really, um, same thing, right. Opportunity and exposure. Um, and a lot of, especially a lot of, you know, um, black males, um, you know, we lack the opportunity. And so, um, if anyone comes to me and tell me that they, they want to cook, they are interested in cooking, uh, I'm giving them a shot, right? And um, I feel that cooking is something that could take people places um, the same way basketball does, the same way music does, you know, where you can you can get on 
and you can travel the world with this. You know, if you develop a skill set as a cook, as a chef, um, you know, you can move wherever you want to move. There's restaurants everywhere, the whole world, you know, and you can go in and you can apply the talents that you have and succeed. That's kind of my pitch when young men and women are in high school. They're so easily influenced, you know, and I have to be cool enough, you know, that they want to, you know, they, they want to, they want to still, you know, hang out and, and, and learn and stuff like that from me. So, you know, it's a little bit of, okay, how do I, how do I get these folks committed to continually come in and continually apply themselves and improve? It doesn't always work, but for the ones that it has worked for, I still talk to so many young men and women that have, you know, worked with me, whether it's for six months, whether it's for two years, um, that's like chef, you know, like I really appreciate what you did for me. You know, now I'm living in New York, I'm working at this restaurant. Uh, now I'm here, I'm working at this restaurant, you know? And so that's the goal. And I really feel like that's what my legacy will be. Oh, like right. my legacy to me will be how many people have, you know, I touched and affected them in a positive way. Well, and you can inspire them clearly because what you have attained, but also, you're that age in the kitchen, right? When you started. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm not easy on them either. I'm like, look, you know, I understand that you're 15, 16, but so was I, right? And so you're still expected to be on time. You're still expected to be improving every single week, things like that. Um, you know, so it's not a cakewalk because what they're going to go out into will not be a cakewalk, right? It's not right. A, a, a ton of black chefs, male or female, that are at, you know, the top end of the game. You know, so where they can just jump into these kitchens and, and, and half-ass it or, or slack off and, and be allowed to get away with that stuff. I'm hard on them, you know. I have one young man who's been working over at Inamay since I may open Inamay's uh, six years. He was 15 when he started. Uh, he's literally worked everywhere in a restaurant, right? He's, he's worked besides a bartender because he wasn't old enough. He's been a host. He's been the nighttime cleaner. He's been a cook. He's worked expo. Everything. He can literally handpick wherever he wants to go, and he's going to get the job because he's a hard worker, he's dedicated to his craft. And so it's people like that, stories like that, that uh, really keep me motivated to continue that push. That's totally cool. You know, we were talking before about all these kind of inclusive happenings that you have, whether it's anime or at uh, Frontier. Besides smoke sessions, tequila and Mez Fest, a gator dinner. And then here's the one I have a bone to pick with you a little bit. The tailgate for the Saints, the New Orleans Saints preseason shrimp boil. Now, I I'm all for loyalty to Houdat Nation, but I don't see any I don't see any bears tailgating on this you know on the schedule. Man, anymore. man, we we lost our Bears fans here uh, many years back uh, when we started all the Saints stuff. You know, this year I, I was talking with my my partner. I'm like, man, you know, how can we get some of the Bears fans back? He looks at me, he's like. You ran them all the way, you know. Like, <laughs> now, now you want them back, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know that 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 thing has grown into something that has been very very special, right? I, I we we now get folks. If you're in town from Louisiana on a Sunday during football season, then you're at Frontier, right? They just know, really? you know. Oh yeah, they they bringing suitcases in. You know, I, I'm, I'm on my way to the airport, but I'm gonna stop. And I'm gonna catch the first half. You know, uh, but the amount of people and just like people that I went to high school with have popped in. It's people that I've known from growing up that have popped in. I, and, and so it's oh, it's really uh, it really takes people back home because it gets packed in here, you know, uh, and it's all people that are from Louisiana, somewhere in Louisiana, you know, and the accents come out strong. 
you know, and people are, are, are really uh, win or lose. <laughs> we people have cried, you know, we say we, we have many heartbreakers. So people have walked out of here crying, Aww. real tears. But yeah, it's it's a it's a good good group, and it takes people back home for the three hours of the game. That's for sure. As a lifelong suffering Bears fan, oh, uh, suffered during the glory years. People still talk about the '85 Bears like it was like last week. You know what I mean? It was a it was a long time ago. I know, man. I know. But but the Bears have some promise, though. The Bears could be a surprising team this year. If they didn't have the promise, I wouldn't have even brought this one up. I would say I would have said I totally un- I totally understand. <laughs> I totally get it. You're also uh, appearing at Chicago Gourmet at Prost in the Park. Yes. Sunday, September 24th, at the Harris Theater. Rooftop, which I guess it's all on the rooftop this year. Sarah Grunberg from Monteverde, who is a host. Is it Prost like is it German? I'm a, I don't know exactly what it is. Yes, it is. It's basically, uh, you know, think sausages, pretzels, and beer. Ah, there you go. We're doing a smoked duck and dewy sausage for our, our dish that night. So we're coming in some flavor. Well, Chicago Gourmet is always a good time. Yeah, it is. And Sarah, even though she runs Monteverde, which is very, very Italian, Grunberg is, is not an Italian last name. So she, so she, uh, she, she, she should be the, the ultimate host there. I have one last question that I looked up, and it came back in my past. Narcisse? Narcisse, man. The champagne and caviar kind of restaurant, and I guess River North around Clark's. Yeah. I don't know if I w- ever went there because that place just seemed to be on the cool factor way too cool for me. So <laughs> I may have gone and and, I, and just can't remember did some haze one night. But what was you must have stories to tell from that place. Oh, do I? That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was who moved me to Chicago. And so the plan was that oh. Narcisse was going to open in Miami as well. And I was down in Miami. Uh, I finished culinary school. I was working in a bunch of places and stuff. And so my chef that was um, at the Shore Club Hotel there, he had linked up with the group in Chicago here, right? And so he's partnered with them. And the plan was to have him come to Chicago, revamp the menu and all that stuff, because Narcisse was more of just like a, basically like a mini little club. It was like a boutique nightclub, you know? And so no one was there to eat. Yeah. That all fell apart. So he calls me up to come up and and be the chef in Chicago, and he was going to be the chef in Miami. And so I'm game, come up, uh, spend a a week here, uh, decide to make the move. Uh, I was here for a month, and the Miami project fell apart. And so the chef that moved me here was like, all right, I'm out of here. Chicago's way too cold. I'm not doing this, right? And so he, he bounced. And I went to the guys, the owners at Narcisse, and I'm like, hey, you know, I didn't move to Chicago to work for some chef that you're about to bring in that I don't know and all this other stuff. So I was like, let me be the chef. You know, I'm 22, 23 years old. Wow. And they, they bit it. They, they, they were like, all right, well, give me, give him a shot. Yeah. It was no turning back from there. Give the kid a shot. Right. Right. You know? And so, um, yeah, so I, I, that was where I, well, I learned a lot about caviar because I knew nothing. I, it was still fine dining days, right? The people that were coming in, there would spend a lot of money on caviar, champagne, and women, <laughs> pretty much, you know, and so that was what it was, you know, and they had the curtains, you know, that were closed and, you know, these, these like plush booths and uh, it was a bed in the basement. Come on. Oh yeah. It was a bed down there that people would also rent and book and it would be like people laying on the bed, bottles and all this stuff. Uh, so yeah, Narcisse was a, a welcome to Chicago for me. Uh <laughs> In early 20s. Yeah, yeah. The great thing about that is like, you know, 
after a few years or whatever there and you go on to something else and you see something kind of wild and you, you're like 25 and you go hey show me something i haven't seen already exactly like, I'm, I, yeah. i've been there it was a crash <laughs> course for sure <laughs> When I saw it, I'm like, Narcisse, I remember that place. That was kind of oh, yeah. early clubby, but restaurant with good food, lots of sizzle. Uh, yeah, I never knew you worked there. That's wild. Oh, yeah. Yes. Chef, continued good luck, man. The smoke session sounds fantastic. We got to get you in for one, man. I'm coming. And let me say this, on a, on a Bears Monday night game, I'm coming the previous day on a Sunday to see the Saints play at your place because that sounds like a good time. It really is. I can't push the Bears to the side because we have hope. We very rarely have hope. I feel you. We very rarely yes, have hope. I, I agree with you. I agree. <laughs> All right, Chuck. Great seeing you, man. All right, David. I appreciate you, brother. Ali Murati joins me now with some information on Chick-fil-A in Chicago. How's it going, Allie? It's going great, David. How are you? I'm so so good. You know, I've been to, I've been to Chick Fil A in in, in in Chicago. I've been to Chick Fil A in North Carolina, and uh, I always think they do a really good job. But what's what's new about them here? Yeah, so they are coming to Pullman, which is a big deal because this will be you know the South Side of Chicago's first Chick Fil A. There are a couple locations in the suburbs, but not in the city's South Side neighborhood. So. Big deal on that end. Also a big deal for Pullman, which has really been, you know, it's a historic community. It's been working really hard to revitalize. And so it's kind of a, you know, a big step for them. Does Pullman have a bunch of options for people to go to now? Great question. So not really. They've got a Culver's, they've got a Potbelly, and then Lexington Betty's is down there, which is a barbecue place. And the owner, Dominic Leach, she's been on a lot of, you know, Food Network shows and stuff, right? So they have that and it's coming, right? But they don't have a lot of options besides those places. And, and this location, it's going to go into this area. It's a six acre parcel that's just south of 111th Street and, you know, right off uh, I-94. And it used to be for years, it was an offsite bedding facility. Okay. Kind of big open area with like one or you know, two buildings on it. So it's going to be built on that area and it's right across from... Salem Baptist Church. It's a 10,000 seat church. All right. And the Reverend James Meeks, he's the founder, recently retired. He's the one who sort of led this charge. And he told me that he'd been eyeing this, you know, parcel of land for years, had tried to buy it in the past. And basically he was like, you know, I got 6,000 people that come here on a Sunday. I got 800 people that come for Bible study on Wednesday nights, plus various events throughout the week. And they don't have anywhere to eat. We want something. So sort of appealing to Chick-fil-A was kind of like, we're this religious organization, maybe, you know, because they're known for kind of being a Christian organization too, maybe they'll be sympathetic to us. But you may be wondering, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Is it going to make a difference there? I, I was right? just going to interrupt you. I was just like, <laughs> I, what am I missing? They're closed on Sunday. So it's the fact that you have 6,000 people coming out on Sunday and like, oh, what are they going to all do? Like, oh my God, I wish that was open. I bet they're not open. That was my first question, too. So uh, Reverend Meeks was sort of like, you know, we're going to start with it. It's going to be great for all those in-between things. But this this plot of land that the Chick-fil-A is going on. So it's it's co-owned by the Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives and then Reverend Meeks nonprofit organization, which is called Hope Center Foundation. They're doing this project together, developing it together. So they are in talks with other restaurants, too. And Chick-fil-A is sort of seen as this 
decisive kind of bleeding edge retailer where if they're there, other restaurants will want to come to other retailers will be attracted to it. So they tell me that they really want some places that you can sit down at, particularly places that serve breakfast. So maybe Applebee's, maybe Chili's. They say that they're also talking to Fat Burger, Panda Express, Portillo's, that kind of stuff. Chick-fil-A will be the first one, really the planet's flag and sort of build out in that area. And that'll be great for the whole Pullman community, they say, because again, it's it's right now it's just kind of the Culver's, the barbecue place and the Pot Valley. So not a lot of breakfast or sit down, you know, family style options. That's good for Pullman. It's always good when, you know, um, neighborhoods get to expand and, you know, and, and, and have new things and just grow and grow. But I do want to get back to Chick-fil-A because I, I never, I mean, I, I admire I admire their stance on no Sundays. That's cool. But Chick-fil-A has a restaurant across from Wrigley Field. There's got to be at least 15 Sundays where there's 30, 40 I mean, concerts, Cubs games. That's 30, 40,000 people that they're just saying, nope, nope. It is a fascinating anomaly. And, you know, they're opening a location in O'Hare Terminal 5 too. And again, my first question there was, well, what about Sundays? You know, people travel on Sundays. And I don't follow them as closely as I do other restaurants because they're not based here, but I would love to see their financials. What it tells me is that, you know, they get enough people through the line and they make enough money that they must be doing fine without those Sundays, you know, because businesses, whatever their background and their beliefs, they're, they're in the game to make money. And so if they're not making money, they're going to change something up. Like Portillo's is, they're known for being able to get people through the line extremely quickly. And when you can do that, you can make more money off of your locations. And, and maybe they're just making enough that they don't need that seventh day. Clearly, clearly, because I think they're also in an NFL stadium. And, you know, as far as I know, a lot of games are being played on Sundays at NFL stadiums. I will say one anecdote about Chick-fil-A. I was in North Carolina, I mentioned before, and it was so extraordinarily good as far as customer service that I asked to speak to the manager to compliment them. And, you know, I've been to a few Chick-fil-A's and I've been to the Culver's and the Potbellies and the McDonald's and you name it of the world. But I still remember that experience. It had to be 15 years ago. And I still remember it's like, what is going on here? People are so friendly and they were, you know, cleaning the tables and they were just, it was not something I was used to, at least back then. Yeah. And, you know, something interesting about this location in Pullman is that it will be company owned. And, you know, the Culver's, for example, is franchised. So that franchisee of Culver's had to go, he has one in Bronzeville too. He had to go to Culver's and explain, hey, you should come to Chicago's South Side. Like, don't be scared by things you hear about crime or the demographics or whatever, because people in this community have money to spend and they don't have places to spend it at necessarily. So since that Culver's came in, since the Potbellies came in, Lexington Betty's, you know, I'm told that convincing Chick-fil-A to come in was a little bit easier. And then you see that it's corporate owned instead of somebody, you know, a franchisee, a local franchisee putting up their own funds to get it. I think that says a lot about the ownership, but also, you know, their operations and, and what they think that uh, they can do in this community. Yeah. And commitment. Time to spend a little more time in Pullman. I haven't been to Lexington Buddies yet either. So it's good. I've been there. All right, Allie. I will talk to you again next week. Great. Thank you. That's our show this week. I'd like to thank Chef Jupe. That's Chef Brian Jupiter of Frontier and Ainami Tavern. And of course, Ali Murati. You can find all of her work at chicagobusiness.com. And you can find more of mine on Instagram at Eat Drink Dave. 
The Dining Table with David Manilow is produced by the awesome Todd Manley at Crane Audio Studio. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again on the table next week. 